Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Good morning, First Assembly family. Uh, Welcome to church online today. We're so grateful that you've tuned in. And uh, my name is Angela Fillion. I'm on staff here at First Assembly. And uh, Pastor Ben asked me to bring you the word today. And I am so grateful and so um, thankful that I am able to speak to you today regarding the word of God. So let's dive in. We are in our Back to Basics series. And we are teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 2. And in this series, we're actually looking at the early church and the foundational principles that the early church was built upon which for us today is important to be reminded of how the Holy Spirit moved upon the growing community. So with that, I would like to pray. God, we are so thankful for today. We're thankful for the day that you have made, and um, we rejoice in it. And I thank you that I'm able to come and speak with the church today regarding your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just really invade every person's room and that they would feel your presence today, feel you speaking, that you would highlight things in their life where you want to move and work, And um, we're so grateful that we can come together online um, to hear about your word. So I pray that you would just bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So it is really good for us to learn the values, the values of the early church, but more so um, that we would know that they're actually the foundational truths of God, our Father. And the Holy Spirit finds these things important. important. And this is why we, we see that he inspired the early church to live this way. So let's dive into Acts and learn from the early church. But more so, we're going to learn from the Holy Spirit this morning. I want to open up with one verse to be our foundation. And um, it's how we're not supposed to live by the world standards or methods, but to live according to the kingdom. We know that we are meant to bring heaven on earth. We are people of the kingdom. And we're not supposed to succumb to the culture of the world that is around us. And in Romans 12, 2, it says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, the world. But, the, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So that's our desire is to live according to his kingdom, according to his ways, rather than the world's ways. So let this be our foundation scripture as we learn from God this morning. So we live in an age where we are bombarded through media, through advertisements about acquiring so much more than we need. Um, We have advertisements through TV, through the radio, through social media, even just through the friends that we have that we need to acquire more, like buy more houses, go on more vacations, um, buy more gadgets and things and more clothes and all these special foods, which are good. Everything in moderation, it's not bad, but everything in moderation. And we're advertised to, from the world, that we must have this. And some of us fall into that trap of the world, which is to accumulate and gain and acquire things. And our life actually becomes quite cluttered. We eventually arrive at a place where we have so much. We have so much. But we really have so little. So we have little of peace. Maybe we have little of health or... Um, little of true, real friendships, of joy and happiness they might be lacking because we're so cluttered with all these external things. And we eventually arrive at a place where we have had too much of it. 
we arrive. We, we say we have way too much of all of this. And, and we say, that's enough. I want a more simple life. And that's the trend we're actually seeing right now in the world is this, this desire to have a more simple life. Um, minimalists, they, it's kind of on the trend, it's on the rise to live a minimalist lifestyle. And actually, the past couple months, we've seen that, uh, that the COVID that's happening around the world is actually pushing us, forcing us to slow down and keep things simple. It's making us appreciate our families and spending time with them and learning to cook and play games, garden, go for walks, all the simple things we've been forced to enjoy, which is great. And it's almost interesting how our neighbors, who will say a quick hi to in the morning, if anything, have now actually become our friends. Because during this past season, we haven't been able to go socialize as much, and our neighbor has now become our friend, the over-the-fence conversations, the out front talking to them and seeing how they're doing. It's interesting, because the scripture says, love thy neighbor. And so sometimes, and by sometimes, I mean all the time, it's nice to keep things simple. So as we're in the book of Acts, we're in chapter 2, and Luke wrote the book. And in him describing the early church, he wrote at the end of Acts 2, 46, he said, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart which is my title, Simplicity of Heart. And we often find that when we sit down for a meal, we can breathe. Hopefully you're sitting down to eat a meal. <laughs> and we sit down and we breathe. And sometimes that's a moment for us to actually check in with our heart to see it's how it's actually doing. And a verse that I live by that's almost, it is my favorite verse in the Bible, is Proverbs 4:24. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So the early church, when they sat down for a meal, they did so with simplicity of heart. Other translations say it was a joyful heart. In another translation, a generous heart. And Luke highlights this as an important thing for us to know. So how come the early church had this heart state, this euphoric state of being simple and joyous and generous? What had they done during the day that created this place of joy within their hearts? Well, I believe from reading the word that it was actually because of obedience to the Holy Spirit and his influence in their lives and how they should live. The Holy Spirit came upon them, the early church. He came upon them. He overshadowed them. He came and was inside of them. And we know from scripture that the Holy Spirit was left here on earth to be our guide to be our encourager, our helper, our teacher, to instruct us in the ways of the kingdom. So simply put, I believe the simplicity of their heart was because of the obedience to the Holy Spirit. So Luke informs us of the beautiful way the early church functioned, and we've been covering this in our series the last few months. We see in the early church that there was unity was present, one heart, one mind. They lived in a way that was communal, claiming that what they owned was not their own, but it was up for everyone to have access to, which is amazing. <laughs> Selfishness was not part of their community. And they walked in signs and wonders. They had all things in common. They ate meals together at people's homes. They worshiped together and prayed together. They were generous and gave, those, gave to those in need in their community. And this is where I want to land. Part of the simplicity of heart was that they were obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading in taking care of those who were in need amongst them with no hesitation. They just did it. 
We have been taught, and rightly so, that it is good for us to give to the poor in our city and in our world. Of course we're going to do that. The Bible tells us all throughout Scripture, give to the poor, take care of the poor. And we continue to do this. And I'd like to say that this church is so generous to the poor. They give, and we're able to actually help those that are in need in the world. And we're so grateful, so thankful for that. But our attention is often focused on those who don't know Jesus that are in need, which is great. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep it up. But here in this text, we see that the early church actually focuses on those in their community that are in need. So that would translate today to those who are in our church, First Assembly. Maybe it could be the person that's in the seat across from you, across the row in the pew when we used to gather. (laughs) Or it could be the person that you saw in the hallway or the person that you actually grabbed coffee with at the coffee station. Or the one that gave you the smile as you entered in through the front doors. And they smiled and said, welcome to church. Don't you miss gathering, by the way? (laughs) I miss it so much. I miss the smiles. I truly do. The smile is so important. It's so important, and I feel like they probably need to make masks that are like clear so you can actually see people smiling still. I think those are face shields, but still, like the mask with a clear so you can see the smile, it is so important. It's so important. And I actually feel like I just want to remind you, church, to pray. I really strongly believe that God wants to urge you to pray, and we need to remember who we are. We are children of the Most High God. We are people of the kingdom. And what is happening on the earth today with a virus being released into the earth to cause harm, to cause death, to cause sickness, to cause people to isolate, to cause people not to be able to smile to each other, to cause people not to be able to lay hands on each other like the scripture says, that isn't okay. And as the church, we actually need to rise up in our authority and pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to actually bring heaven on earth and show people that they have a way and his name is Jesus. We don't stand by and be like, oh, this is what the world's telling us that we have to do. No, we actually stand up and pray and say, not on our watch is this going to happen. Not on our watch. Church, we need to pray. We don't need to be watching all the news updates and the different things that we have to do. Yes, that's important. We need to be aware. But more so, we should be actually going on our knees and on our hands and praying before the living God and saying, God, change this world. Stop this virus because this is not okay that we can't go lay hands on people and pray. It's not okay that we can't greet people with a smile. It's not okay that we can't gather together and worship you. So church, rise up. We have authority by Jesus to be able to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons because he has given us that authority. Our job is to make this earth beautiful for his return. And right now, It needs beauty, and it needs love, and it needs kindness, and it needs healing. And this virus is trying to wreak havoc on that. So please pray. A little side note. That's the Holy Spirit right there for you. Okay. So the early church took care of their own. They took care of their own. It's us taking care of each other. They viewed the church as their family. And Jesus actually taught us this. He was born into a family with parents and siblings, like a lot of us are. And he grew up with them. But he later addressed this idea of family in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. He said, while Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside standing. They want to speak to you. 
And Jesus, oh wait, sorry, just pause. (laughs) But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mothers and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And all of us have families. Some of us must, may not be in relationship with our families, but most of us are. And when we're in need, we usually go to our, our family to help us. We go to our parents. We go to our siblings. Hey, can you help me? I need some finances. Or I need you to help me with my car. Can you watch the kids? I'm in need. And Jesus taught us that when we accept him as our Savior, we are brought into a family of brothers and sisters who have the same Father in heaven. And the early church lived this out. Their family now was just not their flesh and blood, but those who are followers of Christ. And what they learned from their actual family was that you do take care of the needs of those in your family. But now it took on a change. All the Jesus followers were their family. So their needs were now their needs. You see it? When your sister and brother or children do really well, it equals that your family is doing so well. You rejoice. The early church knew that when the needs of each individual were met, it was good for the community. No one wants a member to be suffering or walking behind. That's the heart of Jesus. Like any community, the church has people in need. And the thing I love about this is that they saw the need. They saw with their eyes. They were looking and they saw the need. They saw those that needed an extra helping hand. And I don't know if the people reported their need to the church or to the elders or to the apostles or and they asked for help or if people just saw that there were people around them that needed need, that needed help. I actually grew up in a very British family. My parents are from the UK and um, if you're British you might know this but you actually don't tell people that you need help. <laughs> it's a very interesting thing. And so growing up, we were um, basically, uh, our family, which my parents were taught this by their parents, were taught this by their parents, very generational, is that your family is good. Everything's wonderful on the outside. Everything's great. We're proper. We have everything we need. The front of our house is great, and the front of our family is great. Meanwhile, you could really be needing things behind the wall. And so I don't blame my parents for this. This is how they were raised. And so they raised us this way. And um, there was a time when I think I was about eight or nine years old, maybe 10, our family was in desperate need of help. My dad is a builder. He builds the most incredible homes. He is a man of detail. He's one of the most artistic, creative people I know. Um, He puts such detail and finesse into homes that he builds. He just doesn't take it as a light side job. He actually puts his heart and investment and study into building a beautiful home. And as we grew up, he built us homes and we moved around. And every time he built a home, he wanted to know, like, what do you want your room to be? And he took care of um, just our home and building it to the best thing. And those who are in the construction business, you are probably very well aware of the ebbs and flows of that industry. And there are times when, due to market, due to the financial issues of the world, it's, you're not building homes. Therefore, your cash flow is very low. And um, I just remember at that time, our, our family was struggling financially. My dad would take any job to be able to pay the bills and put food on the table for us. He worked really hard. And, uh, but we never told anybody in our church that we were in need. I don't think we communicated. Not that I was aware of. And we were in leadership at our church. And um, we were in desperate need for food. We had no food. We didn't know where, um, 
our food was gonna be coming from. Like it was so bad that when we ate shredded wheat, we didn't have money for milk, but we had money for orange juice. So we ate our shredded wheat with orange juice. I'm grateful for shredded wheat and orange juice, but still, it was, it was drastic for a 10 year old. No one should have to eat shredded wheat with orange juice. But, um, and I remember in our church, we had a, t- a bread table at the, end, um, at the back of the church. So when church was over, people who needed food could go grab bread. And I would go and grab bread for our family and sneak back there and grab bread. I would normally grab cinnamon raisin toast because my mom's very healthy and wouldn't allow us to eat. We weren't allowed to eat sugar, which I'm grateful for today. But um, so I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to get some sugar toast. And sure enough, it was like the best. I ate it every day and do not regret it. Um, But we never told people we were in need until I remember one day the doorbell rang. And I ran downstairs and I opened the front door. And there were bags of groceries bags of groceries. No one was standing there. And I don't know if the person who dropped off the groceries knew that our family was in need. I don't know if my family communicated it to the person. We still don't know who the person is. I don't know if they knew or if they saw. Were they looking? Or were their voice, you're so close to the Holy Spirit's voice and he said, go take care of the Joneses. Go feed the Joneses. They need help. And it's just such a beautiful thing. It was so part of my faith building at that time in my life that God would so take care of us, take care of the need of our family, that he remembered us, that he saw us, he provided for us. But it's all through. And, he, and here's the thing, God will always take care of every need we have. He's so faithful. He's so kind. He's such a good father. But more so, he loves to use his children to help their brothers and sisters. God's co-laborer. He wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of someone else's freedom or someone else's need. It's so beautiful. I am so fascinated by what lengths the early church went to to help their brothers and sisters. It says in Acts 2, verse 45, which is our main text, is they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone in need. This seems quite foreign to me. I'm not in the business of buying property or homes and selling it. (laughs) It seems like a big thing, but maybe some of you are. Maybe that's kind of like your thing. You buy property and you sell it, or you just buy property and hold on to it until God tells you to release it. But it seems like a huge thing. It seems like a pretty big sacrifice. But they did this. It seemed like it was such second nature. Like they didn't even question, of course we'll sell stuff to help other people. You know, they probably already knew the land wasn't theirs in the first place. It was God's. And they sold property and land. And if they didn't have this, they actually sold their possessions. So like sold their car. They didn't have cars back then, but you get it. (laughs) Or sold their jewelry or sold things that were really like important of high value to them. They sold it and they gathered all the proceeds to give to those in need. And we later read in chapter four of Acts that as they continued in this lifestyle, it says that no one lacked, no one was needy. Can you imagine this? I feel like in the church, um, the church, the big, the big church, <laughs> um, we have become accustomed to the social classes within our church. The upper class, the middle class, the lower class. But it seems as though the early church wanted to remove those classes. And those who could make a sacrifice did so that the one in need could take a step up and stand beside them. 
See, when we obey the Holy Spirit, when there's obedience to the scripture, there's simplicity of heart that takes place. All around us, we might be busy, or all around us might be busy, or the enemy might be creating storms around us. But when we say yes to the kingdom of God and its ways, you have your focus. And that's like Jesus in the storm on the boat. He was not rattled by the storm. It was happening, but he was at peace. We are focused. And your purpose is to help people in need within the church and outside the church. And Jesus even said this to his, um, his followers. He said about the harvest, it's plentiful, go out and reap. He said, don't take your purse, don't take your bag, don't take your sandals. And he's saying, keep it simple, keep it focused. Keep focused on what I'm asking you to do and don't be cluttered by everything else around you so you can go and do what I ask you. When you don't follow the Holy Spirit and what he asks of you, and you start to agree with the enemy's voice or enemy's thoughts or enemy's ideas, and then when you do agree with them, they can start to take root in your heart, it gets complicated. It gets really complicated. And we see that in the life of Ananias and Sapphira. This couple was part of the early church, part of that community in that culture of the church where everyone had one heart and one mind. And they had land and they sold it. They were generous. That was the community that Ananias and Sapphira were part of, influenced by. And I like how Luke sets up this story. He writes it right after telling us about Barnabas and how he sold his land and gave the proceeds. You'll find this at the end of chapter 4. And he highlights Barnabas and what he did. But then if you remove the chapter 5 header, remove it from the Bible, and just read Barnabas' story, and then go straight into the next verse. And it says, But a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold their land. Compares it to Barnabas, and now we're going to hear the opposite, and that's through Ananias and Sapphira. So Ananias and Sapphira had conceived or conspired in their heart that they would sell their property and keep back a portion for themselves and then give the rest of the portion to the church. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you keeping a portion for yourself and then giving the rest of it. But what was wrong here is that they um, made up this plan in their heart to do this that was opposite to what the Holy Spirit was asking them to do. So Peter confronted them on it, and he said, you've lied not just to me, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Which makes me wonder how present and how tangible the Holy Spirit was in that day. Probably, I, I don't know how, if he, people could feel him all the time or hear his hair speak, but I feel like he was very heavy upon them. That they would say to the point that you actually just lied to the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, it would be quite shocking to have someone in your community do something so drastic to what the environment at the time was. It would kind of stand out. To withhold while everyone was ready to be generous, to be selfish and everyone else was selfless, it would create a lot of drama. Their story was not simple. I am sure with the enemy's voice coming into their lives, trying to sow seeds of... um, being selfish, uh, pressuring them, them having to agree with his words, the turmoil that that would create, the unrest, the lack of peace that would be. 
probably a lot of emotions were happening, and then being caught in this lie. And then the result for them was death. It wasn't simple. Their hearts weren't of simplicity or joy or generosity. The kingdom of God, we need to know it and to understand it because we are a part of it. Jesus taught us about the kingdom of God when he was here on earth. And we have such an opportunity today to partner with God as co-laborers and taking care of those around us. This is kingdom. And we read this throughout scripture, how important giving is. In Deuteronomy 15, it says, If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites, your community, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Deuteronomy 15.10, Give generously to them and to do so without grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be the poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's Psalm 82. Proverbs 14. It is a sin to despise one's one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Kind. Proverbs 21. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. It's a pretty heavy word. Matthew 25, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, of mine, you did for me. Don't forget whose brothers and sisters those around you are. They're Jesus. That's Jesus' brother. That's his sister. And so of course we would want to take care of them because that means they're our brother. That means they're our sister. I can list so many other scriptures about taking care of the poor and the orphan and the widow and the needy, the destitute. It's the heart of God. And the Holy Spirit will always highlight the heart of God to us. He will always teach us the heart of God. And the early church got this and they lived it out and they were blessed because of this. We have seen in the last few months this church's generosity It's been so shocking and so amazing. And this church has specifically has given finances faithfully during uncertain times. They have shown up to deliver food and care packages when the world is saying to stay home and don't go outside. They've cleaned up people's front yards, which in turn is so powerful to show a neighbor a serving heart. The church has helped families from FA during that awful storm that happened a couple of weeks ago. You've been so faithful to help families that were really affected by that. It's so beautiful to see the church, our specific church, rising up. When everything around is a storm, in this church, we have not been threatened by it. We have stood up and we have given through our time and our care, our service, our love, our money, our prayers. You have sown seeds in this time that I do believe you will reap a harvest. It'll look like people's hearts coming to know Jesus, people living out their dreams and the calling and purpose on their life because they're not um, pushed down by the weight of the world and their needs and their, "Where's where's my next meal coming from? You've helped them. 
I kind of feel like Paul at the end of his letters to the church, thanking them and encouraging them to keep going, stirring them up, giving them a charge. Galatians 6, 9, he says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. This will be an example to the world around us that we actually help those that are amongst us, those that are in the community, those that are in our faith. And it will show them that when they too join the family, when they accept Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, that they'll be guaranteed that they will be helped in a time of need. They won't be isolated. See, the world promotes isolation. You're on your own. Fend for yourself. Survival mode. But the church, the community of God, no, we're here for each other. We take care and we'll do whatever we need to do to help those around us. So as I close, I encourage you today in a few things. I really encourage you to spend time with the Holy Spirit if you haven't already. He is such a gift to us. And if you don't have a relationship with him, oh, man, <laughs> you need one. I'll always talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, I could cry about him. He's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. And it's Jesus' gift saying, it's better that I go. Jesus, the Savior of the world, said, it's better that I go so that you can have the helper. And that's the Holy Spirit. And he's here to help you. He's here to guide you. He's here to talk to you. He's here to say, hey, don't go down that path. Go this way. He is such a friend. And he's so, um, he's so holy. He's so holy. He's not to be messed with. But he's here for you because he loves you. So I would say, spend time with him. Get to know his voice. Get to know him. Read the scriptures about him. Invite him in and say, Holy Spirit, show yourself to me. And then I'd ask him to show you someone that is in need in the community of faith. Ask him somebody that's in need. And, you know, this could be someone that needs help financially. And it's great. It's great that we give our finances, but so much more better when we give time so good to give time. Invite someone over for a meal that you know that they're probably just eating pasta at home with no other food. You know, buy groceries. Invite, to cook, invite them over and say, I'm going to buy you groceries, but let me cook a meal for you. Someone might need a vehicle. Give them a vehicle. You know, my husband, when he moved from South Africa, he was in need of a vehicle, and the church helped him out with that. And it was such a blessing for us because we, we worked at different areas. Someone might need a job. And that happened, too, with my husband. <laughs> he wanted to come to Canada, and the Dream Center said, we'll give you a job to help you come into Canada. It's like we're taking care of people. Someone might need a job, but they don't know how to write a resume, and you might be really good at it. Help them with their resume. These are practical things, but you guys are creative, and, you can, and the Holy Spirit is way more creative than I am. Maybe you're a master at business, and you know of someone in the pew across you that has hoped to start their own business Maybe you can go give your time and help them start that up. What an opportunity to bless somebody and help someone that's in need. Maybe you're a builder and you know of someone whose house is falling apart. Maybe in this time you could go just fix it up for them. Don't charge them. Just bless them. Maybe you know of a single mother or single father and they just need help with their children. Maybe go offer to babysit them, take the kids for the day. 
help those that are in need. And the list can go on and on. And maybe he's speaking to you to sell land. (laughs) Maybe, property. Be obedient. When he does show you, be obedient, obey. Don't hold back, just give. Just simply obey. Also, maybe he has shown you something a while ago and you weren't obedient to it. Maybe talk to him about it again and say, can I still do this? Is it still relevant for today? And move upon it. Part of the early church's foundation was obedience. It was also generosity in taking care of the needs of those among them. And this still rings true today in the foundation of the church because it's the part of God's kingdom. It's part of God's way. The enemy tried to sow a crack into the early church's foundation with selfishness and withholding through Ananias and Sapphira. But God was like, no, no, not okay. The foundation of the early church had to be so protected because God knew the potential of where the church would be going, and it's his bride. And and he's like, no, you're not going to sow in selfishness, withholding, hard-heartedness, deceit. Mm -mm. God was pretty pretty protective of his church and still is today. So I implore you to protect the foundation of the church, protect the foundation of your Christian walk with God. And this is done by continuing in simplicity of heart, knowing what he has asked of you and doing it, taking care of the need of those around you, breaking bread with your neighbor, worshiping together, what joy this is. I, it's, it's such a blessing to be a part of what God is doing. It's such a blessing to see people step up from the mire and the clay and the mud. Oh, it's such a blessing to be able to see those that you love succeed. It's such a blessing. It's such a joy to be a part of it. And I really want you guys to get that, how, how in the early church it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I have to think this through. No, they just did it because the Holy Spirit was in their life and they were so surrendered to his voice. So let's remember the greatest example, and that's Jesus. Jesus sacrificed his life for us that we would have life. He has set the standard for us to live by that we would sacrifice to help those around us take a step up. And he trusts us because he's inviting us to do it. So let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you speak to us every day through your word. I encourage, God, I pray that you just encourage people to read your word every day, that they would be inspired by it, that Holy Spirit, you speak through the word of God. It is living and it is breathing and it is fully active today and fully relevant for today. And I pray, God, that as I've spoken these words, I pray that you would use them to stir up um, a generosity in people, that you would inspire them to be creative in the way that they help those in need around them within the church, but also outside of the church walls. Basically, God, it's helping people. That's what it is. And so I pray, God, that you would inspire them, that you would give them boldness and courage to be able to do what you have asked them to do. I pray protection over them, over what you're asking them. I pray protection over their family. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. And um, God, we thank you that you invite us into this. We thank you that you are um, forming in us a beautiful picture of what heaven is. So God, we love you. We thank you. We bless you. You are so good and you are so kind. And um, God, we, we love you. I could just continue to say we love you all day, but 
we have to wrap up. So amen. So simply put, simply put, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Um, and your heart will, will blossom because of it. It'll be joyous, it'll be generous, and it'll be good. So thank you for joining us today at First Assembly. We are grateful to have you with us. Um, we will be back online next week. And uh, I believe Pastor Cliff will be speaking, and we are so excited to hear from him. But have a wonderful week. We wanted to remind you that tonight is Sunday night prayer. So come at 6 p.m., be ready to pray. Um, we need to pray. Obviously, I talked about it earlier. We need to release the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So thank you again. Be blessed. And at the end, there are some questions that will be up on the screen that we would love for you to discuss with your family and with your friends. And um, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church. 